Whoever's ready, come on, y'all. I've been slaving over this for hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them, and of course my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the race. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, right. but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. And I'm in the front row. Hey, Cal. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound... Six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious, mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in. That was a hell of a grace, man. You nailed that like a split hog. I appreciate that. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. <laughs> what do you guys think? How many of you have seen that movie? None of you should have seen that movie. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if, if you know anything about that clip, it is heavily edited. Um, but I love how his prayer is always about eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, right? Like, and I couldn't think of anything more than, than what I wanted to talk about tonight is, is, is a lot of times when we think about Christmas, what do we think about? We, we think about the manger scene, right? Like, I found this picture. I don't know if you noticed, but like, 
this scene of the manger, um, I just found it on the internet and it's like set up and it's all like this, this precious scene of Jesus. Apparently he was born like a two-year-old. I didn't know that, but I'm like, that's like, Jesus is like two or three there. Like this isn't, this isn't a fresh birth picture. Um, and it's like, he's sitting up already. Jesus, Jesus was born with abs. Like, I don't know if you know babies, but they have no abs, but Jesus did. So, um, so but when we think about Christmas, we think of the manger scene, Right. We think about baby Jesus. A lot of us will be reading through the, the Christmas story, at, at, whether at church, whether at families. Uh, we'll see it. We'll hear about it. Um, there's live nativity scenes where there's always like, sometimes there's even a real baby, right? Like um, I think three out of our four kids were like baby Jesus in, in a play, you know, like, and then they move and people are like, oh, that's a real baby, right? Like, and, and it's like, we think of Jesus as this like sometimes uh, helpless baby, Right? And that's what we think about when we think Christmas. Some of us, this, uh, this prayer, the, the way this was, was great, it's like some of us, this hit home for us, right? Like they were like, that is my Christmas dinner. How did they know that, right? Like, and and, and a, the, thing, the thing I love, like how many of you would love Christmas, Christmas dinner to be the ever delicious Taco Bell? Right? Like, come on, how many of us would like that for Christmas? It's okay, it's okay. Not all of us are Christmas ham people, right? Like, it's all right. Um, but one of the things that I, one of the issues I've always had um, with this clip, I, and some of you may not have seen it, I did because I was, I was raised with this thing. Um, how many of you saw the, the, like, the five-gallon bucket of margarine in the middle? Any of, you, any of you have margarine at home? I don't know, so I have two different issues with it. Why don't you have to refrigerate it? It can sit out for years and it's fine, right? Like, it doesn't have to be refrigerated. And why is it in the five-gallon size? Like, how many of you need that much margarine in your life? <laughs> okay, some of you really like margarine. All right. I, I just, I, like, when I saw that, I was like, that's my home. Like, that's my childhood right there in that bucket. Like, we always had it. There was knives always in it. There was always crumbs in it because everybody's just pulling it. It was gross. It was, so anyway, I was like, oh, that struck home for me. And some of us, you know, it, re it reminds us like when, when grandpa and grandma and everybody comes over and, and we got grandpa's smelly leg that the dog's always fussing with, right? Like, like we, it's like, that's my grandpa. How'd they know that was my grandpa? Um, it wasn't my grandpa. Maybe it's your grandpa. But um, how many of us know that the family dynamics can be interesting during Christmas time? There's always this saying, you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. <laughs> Like, so, some of us know that come Christmas time, right? We're just like, oh, look at this mess, right? Like, somehow it works kind of. Like, we're here, we eat, get out of each other's face. Man, that was a long two and a half hours that we had to see everybody, but we're glad it's not until next year, right? But I, the one thing I wanted to think of, what are some other things that you think about when you think about Christmas? What? Well, presents. I thought you said presidents. It's like, that is very official, Landon. You guys are patriotic in your household. Presence, right? Some of us, if we really had to admit it, it would be all about the presence. What else? Cookies. <laughs> cookies. My favorite cookies, I don't know if you, if you guys are with me, but it's those uh, peanut butter with the kiss smashed in the middle. Oh, if you get those in front of me, you better watch out because you might get bit. Um, what else do we think about? What? Ham. ham. Okay, Christmas food. <laughs> A little baby infant Jesus. Presents. Who, who else? Come on, you guys are missing like the main character. Santa Claus, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, 
I know I, I shared this story with some of you last year, but um, we've never told our kids that the Santa exists. Um, we've always told, I'm sorry if this is fresh news for any of you here tonight. Um, <laughs> you, might need to, you might need to talk with your parents after you leave here. Um, but we, we've never told our kids Santa is real or Santa exists. We've always told them that their, their gifts are from us. And um, in one year, uh, well, it was last year, uh, we were at Hy-Vee. It was after church. We went to, to Hy-Vee uh, Buffet. For, for anybody been to the Hy-Vee Buffet, it is kicking. Um, and, and so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden this guy comes, and he's, he's pretty tall. He's pretty round. He has white hair and a giant white beard, and he's wearing red. And my kids are like, they're eating and they're starting to notice this. And I notice them like, they keep like peeking. And finally, like Z's completely turned around. He's just watching this guy. <clears throat> and and they, I can hear them start to whisper to each other like, is that, is that, is that Santa? Is that Santa? And, and I'm just kind of like letting them go with it. And they, they look at me and they're like, Daddy, you told me Santa didn't exist. I was like, I know, I didn't think he did either. And, and, and so... <laughs> And then, and, and then this guy notices that my kids are like ogling him, right? And, and he comes up to him and, and he kind of does this like undercover thing where he walks up and he's like, shh, like don't tell anybody Santa's here. He hands him a card and, and on the card it says, shh, you've caught Santa. Help keep me like protected and don't say anything. And then they had Santa tattoos. And so like they're, they're calling me out on the carpet sitting there like, dad, you told us Santa didn't exist. And it's just like, uh, and I, even if I told them that he didn't exist, they wouldn't believe me now. Like, I, I'm serious. Like, they, like, they're, like, afterwards, after he left, they're, like, watching him. They're waving at him. And Mrs. Claus is waving back. Like, they're all dressed up. I'm like, you jerks. Like, this is, this is not good, right? And, and, like, afterwards, like, after they leave, they're like, they're, we're going to tell our cousins we met Santa. So, like, like, to them, I don't think I could convince them that Santa's not real. But we think about those things when it comes to Christmas time. And although, like, hey, I like to have fun with it. Like, I let it roll. You know, I was just like, I didn't think he existed either, right? But it's one of those things that, like, when I think about Christmas, a lot of times we read the story about the birth of Jesus, and we think about the baby Jesus, and I'm kind of like, this is kind of a distorted view of, of really what Jesus was coming to do, and, and ultimately the, the, the end uh, goal of Jesus when he came here. Um, I don't know if you know this, um, but the, the eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant cuddly, but still omnipotent, right? Like we think about the manger, we think about the shepherds, we think about the wise men. But the thing that I always think is weird about this scene is I have been a witness of four births. None of them were as calm and relaxed as this situation is right here. <laughs> some, some, like, Tammy, you hear me, right? Like, <laughs> like, like Mary doesn't care that there's animals next to her. Uh, pff, uh-uh. Like, right? She's like, get away from me. Like, and she's wearing her clothes and, and she's like all like in this gown outfit. And, and Joseph's standing. He's not passed out. So that's not an accurate picture to me. Um, Jesus, like I said, he's born two to three years old. Um, so he skipped the whole, like, he, was, he came out diaper trained, just so you guys know. Um, and the animals and the shepherds are there. And Mary doesn't care that everybody's like standing around and, and watching and like, oh, what's that? What the heck? I just had a baby. And you know, like, it's just, it's not a real scene to me when I think about it. But you guys, it is about the birth. <clears throat> but it's also about the cross. We will get presents. We will spend time with family. Um, we will get drugged to church. Some of us, we may even get to hold one of those cool candle things, right? Like they have like the guard on them. You can like mini fence with them as you're 
you can set people's hair on fire. Um, but we get this cute scene of Jesus being born. And like I said, it's just not completely accurate to me. Because we have this eight pound, six ounce cuddly Jesus in our head. And believe me, I, like, I believe that when Jesus was born, he was probably pretty cuddly, right? Like, like oh, look at this little guy. Like, if you've ever seen it, like a, just a, one of those, like, if he was eight pounds, six ounces, he was pretty chubby. So chubby babies are like cuddly ones. Um, but you guys, when Jesus came, he didn't come just as this defenseless little cute and cuddly baby. He came with a purpose. Jesus came to declare war once and for all. Jesus came to resolve and to settle what had been broken in our relationship with God. <clears throat> like, if, if there's any more accurate of a picture of Jesus, I wish it was like Superman, right? Like, how many of you know how Superman got to earth? By a freaking meteor, right? Like, like that's like, that's the birth of Jesus. Like, Jesus comes out, like, right? Like, <laughs> that would be a more accurate picture. But you guys, it amazes me that Someone who was eternal came to this earth to finish it, to resolve it. Christmas is about the cross, you guys. And I want you guys to turn to Philippians 2, uh, verse 8. If if there's any homework assignment that I can give you guys from from tonight, it would be read through the rest of Philippians. Um, Read through Philippians 2. Um, We're going to focus on verse 8 tonight. Um, because there's some pretty big significance here when you dig into what these words mean um, in the Hebrew and the Greek and, and, and stuff like that. And I, I just want to kind of um, show you guys what happened here. Because Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. And you guys, from, from, from birth to Jesus dying on the cross, this was why he came. This was his mission. This is what he was being called and asked to do. This is, he, he knew that when he became man, that this is what he was coming for. And that word that, in being found in the appearance as a man, that word for appearance in the Greek is actually, it's called schema. It literally means that a king who exchanges his kingly garments for a brief period of time for the clothing of a beggar. You guys, we need to wrap our heads around it. It's not just this cute infant picture of, of eight pounds, six ounce, cuddly Jesus still omnipotent. It's God himself taking off his rightful appearance, right? Eternal, glorious. He was with God when, when the earth and the foundation of the earth was created. He decided to come. He took on the appearance of a man. He took off his kingly garments and put on clothing of a beggar. You guys, we first and foremost need to understand that Jesus, that God became man. We can skip that, right? We can just be like, well, he was a baby. He was born here, right? Like, but no, it's literally this exchange of character. Jesus became man. God who has always been around before the earth was created, before there was even time, before there was space, and before there was an earth, Jesus and God coexisted. And then he became one of us, a human, a baby boy. When Jesus became the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus, God literally shed everything about him. We need to understand that Jesus has always been with God. This is something new. 
And I don't want to, because sometimes we can be like, well, you know, like the human form is just this inferior form. You guys, scripture makes it clear that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We're all made in the image of God. I don't want to dismiss like who God has made us because God has made us in his image, but this is something new for God. God, this is below God, right? He becomes one of us. Not because he thought it would be fun, right? Like, ah, I want to get out of the house. God, I'm going, right? Like, I'm, I'm becoming a baby, right? Like, that's not what Jesus did. He didn't just want to leave the house. He didn't stay out past curfew. God got mad at them and sent him to earth. None of that happened. Jesus came because he knew it was the only way to make things right. You guys, that's not an accident. That's not this timid scene. War is being had. And the thing that's cool is it says that Jesus loved us so much that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. That word humbled, I think, is one that, that our culture, that our world now especially, one that would, will speak into your schools. If they actually see us as Christians walking in humility, walking with, this, with these footsteps of being humble, modeling what we see Jesus do, Because Jesus only thought about you and I. That word for humble mean, means to become humble, to be, to be lowly, but it also means to be willing to stoop to any measure that is needed. Think about that, you guys. Jesus was willing to do whatever he needed to do to make it right again. If there was any other way, he would have. Because ultimately, Jesus was born, yes. But we know where it's leading, right? We know the end of the story. We know what, had, what Jesus had to go through. Some of us have a hard time being humble when it comes to our friends, right? Like, like we open a door and your friend starts to walk through. And you're like, I'm going through that first. Get back, dummy. Right? Like, we like, when it comes to putting others before ourselves... We don't, right? Try playing uh, PUBG with a- Andrew. He will always use you as a meat sheet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there is no, no, I, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but you guys, morals have nothing to do with why we choose right and wrong. Or we, most of the time we choose by what we get out of it, don't we? Some of us will stoop to any measure to get that good grade in class, even if it means cheating. Right? Did I just hear a yes? Was that from you, Daniel? Oh, a gas. I thought you said yes. I just did it. But here's the catch when we do those or do things like that. It's just never for anyone else, right? Like, I got an A, so your D would look better, right? Like, we, we, we never have that heart in, in mindset. We do those things for ourselves. There's no humility in that. We have to admit it's not always putting someone else in front of you, someone else above you, someone else that has a higher priority than you. That's not always easy, is it? Especially if we think that they're, they've wronged us. They don't deserve it. But you guys, is that the heart that Jesus shows to any of us when he comes down as a baby boy? 
when he sheds his, his godly, glorious appearance. We can have a hard time letting someone we like get something better than us. How many of you know that it's easier to, to mourn with somebody when something bad happens? It's like, oh, I, I'm here for you. But what, what happens when they win the lottery? Like, stupid lottery. That should have been me that won that, right? Like, we, we have this flip of heart. What happens when, when they get the latest and greatest gift for Christmas? Their parents are the rich parents, right? Like, they get anything they want, right? What happens when that happens? Some, some seeds start to sow in our heart, right? Like, stupid, I'm going to smash it next time I'm over there, right? Like, we don't like when people get stuff better than us. What happens when we're in that astronomy class and somebody gets that A that they don't deserve, right? And I just got that C on that final. <laughs> what happens in our heart? Like, it checks where we are in our humility. Our flesh, being human, since we are broken, being humble is not natural. You guys, Jesus humbled himself to show us, to walk it out, to show us what it looked like. In Christmas, there's, there's no better time than I can think of that than, than God himself becoming us. He made himself low so he could fix things for us. You guys, we need to understand that, that as Christians, that's how we walk. Some of us in this room need to eat some humble pie, right? Like, or we need, just need to learn from Jesus how to be humble. And that's why I, I challenge you, if you've not read Philippians 2, read through Philippians chapter 2. Because it's all about how we walk in humility. Jesus was willing to, do, to go to any measure that was needed for you and I. That's the picture we get out of this verse so far. And ultimately, God became one of us as if that wasn't enough, that he just, like he came down and spent some time with us, but he humbled himself even to death. In this scripture, that word for even is almost like this shouting word, like even to death on the cross, you guys, death on the cross was the worst kind of death that you could go through in that time frame. But when Jesus was laying in that manger, whether he was cognitively aware of it or not yet, that's what he was here for. You guys, that blows me away. Philippians 2 shows us that do nothing out of our own selfish ambition. Consider others, others better than you. You guys, that is my prayer for us as a group. That when new people would walk in this room, that, they, that they, we would make them feel like they're better than us. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad, like God's got a plan for your life. Thank you for coming here, right? Instead of most of the time, we're sitting on the edges going, oh, look at this. Who's this guy? Who's this guy I think he is being all that in dodgeball? Right? And lastly, when I look at the Christmas story, I see that Jesus was obedient. Jesus shows us what obedience is, what obedience looks like. God could have sent him and be like, hey, I need you to go fix things, and Jesus could have got to the time because we see in Scripture that it stressed him out, right? We see that he was so stressed out about going to the cross that he goes to the garden, he prays, and he actually sweats blood. That's a real response to stress in our body. I don't know about you, but I've never been that nervous, right? Like, Jesus knows what's coming. 
What would have happened if we get there and Jesus is like, God, take this from me. Ah, I don't want to do it anyway, right? Like, ooh, uh, I guess we got some work to do then, right? Like, Obedience here literally means that you're under someone else's authority. People don't like that now, do they? Listening to what that superior is speaking to him. So I, want us to, I just want to list out these three things of what obedience looks like. Obedience means that you're under authority, number one. When your parents tell you to do something, you're under their authority. I'm sorry. Even if you agree with it or not. Obedience means listening to what their superior says. Right? Like God is speaking to Jesus while he's here. Like, I need you to keep going. I need you to do this. But then lastly, obedience is doing the orders that you've been given, right? If your parents tell you to go clean your room and you're like, I heard you. And then hours later, they come back and nothing's been moved, which is like my life. Like most of the time I'm walking like, kids, why are there like more Legos out? I asked you to pick them up, right? It means doing the orders that we've been given. And Jesus follows through with this perfectly. This is what obedience meant for Jesus, and this is what obedience means for us. Not only did Jesus have to die, he had to die the worst kind of death. How many of you here have seen Passion of the Christ? You guys, I cannot make it through that movie with a dry eye. And I would challenge you tonight that if you've, if you've never researched what a crucifixion was, don't just let it be a word on a page. Look it up. I would challenge you. Look it up. Watch the passion of the Christ. Watch to the measure to the extent that Jesus was obedient. Jesus knew he had to lay down his life and, and unfortunately it was the worst one. Worst kind of death. Christmas is about Jesus' birth but it's really not this cute picture that we make it. It's Jesus coming down and saying, Satan, enough. I'm restoring this. I'm bridging this gap that you, that you helped break, but you're not going to break this one. I'm coming into relationship with my people, with my kids. It was Jesus saying, I understand that I'm becoming something different, right? I'm becoming in this flesh, like fleshly form, like, if you've ever watched The Office, it, to me it would be like, it would almost be like Dwight when, like, when, when they force him to wear long sleeves and he's like, oh, right? Like it's restricting him. I imagine Jesus like, this flesh is so restrictive, right? Like, but he does it. It was Jesus saying, I'll do what I need to do so that God can have a relationship with you. That's Christmas. God put away his glory, his majesty, and his power so he could one day die a miserable death on the cross. My challenge to you this Christmas would be to walk humbly because I believe that our world is starving to see Christians who walk in humility. Because when they see it, they will see that you're walking the way Jesus walked. 
You're not wrapped up in, in political races. You're not wrapped up in, in whatever else that distracts us. but that you put others' needs before your own. You guys, speed the light is a good indicator of that. Are we putting others' needs above our own? Are we putting less in the basket and more at McDonald's after youth every Wednesday? That might tell you where your heart is. Jesus showed us what obedience looks like. He knew what he was sent here to do doesn't mean he enjoyed it, right? Like Jesus didn't wake up in the garden and be like, "Woo, this is my crucifixion day. This is going to be awesome, right? Like, you guys, peace, I'm out. I did my thing, I'm done, right? Like, that's not what we see Jesus do. And the thing that always gets me is that, you guys, obedience costs Jesus his life. What is it costing us? What is it costing you to be obedient to those things that God is calling out in your life? Are we walking in all areas of our life in obedience? When we see the words on, on, on the page of the, in the Bible, do we live it out in our hearts? Do we walk in obedience? Christmas isn't about Santa, presents, our messed up families, or about baby Jesus necessarily. It's about the cross. Because you guys, with, there would be no Christmas if there was no cross. It would just be another baby born, right? If Jesus didn't humble himself, if Jesus didn't walk in obedience, and ultimately if Jesus didn't die on that cross, we wouldn't know him from anybody else. There would be no Christmas. None of you would get presents. <laughs> And I believe that some of us need to chew on this a little deeper. And ultimately, we need to just rest on that Jesus did whatever he needed to do to have a relationship with me. What does that mean in my life? So again, I want to give you a homework assignment. If you've never looked up a crucifixion, watch the Passion of the Christ. I know you guys will have some time off for school. Look it up, watch it. Research it, Wikipedia it, Google it, whatever you need to do. But dig into it for yourself. How did Jesus die? Why did he die? Then I want you to all read through Philippians 2 because you guys, if, if we can walk this out right here, right now in Sunrise Youth, and if we can walk in humility, we can walk in obedience. You guys, our schools, our friendships, everything will be transformed around us. People will be transformed around us. How can we do this with strangers, with our friends, with our family, even the family we don't like? How do we show humility towards others? How do, we, how do we prefer someone else above ourselves? And the last challenge I would have for us is, is how do we walk in obedience in all areas of our life with Jesus? So this Christmas, it's not a bad thing to remember eight pounds, six ounce, golden fleece diaper, 
baby Jesus, but still omnipotent. But I want you to also remember the cross. Remember where Jesus is going because that's why he came. Can we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you that you sent your son. Father, him even knowing what was going to happen ahead of time, him knowing that that ultimately he needed to die the worst death so he could make things right between us and you. But God, we, we thank you that he walked in the humility and humbleness, that he put us before everything else. He walked in obedience. He did the things that you asked him to do. And then he became one of us. He showed us how to do this. He showed us how to walk in humility. And Father, I just pray that that Christmas would remind us of the cross, of the sacrifice, of the cost. It's not about the presence. Sure, that's an added benefit that we get. But if Christmas is more about presence than it is about you, your son, Jesus, something is wrong. Because again, the focus is on us. God, I pray that these students would would just be challenged to think about the cross this Christmas. Father, I pray for these students now, no matter whatever situations they run into when their families get together, no matter how messed up it is or how, how great it is, Father, I just pray your blessing over them. Father, let them walk in humility. Let them walk in obedience. And Father, we just, we look and and remember what you've done in in our life. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.